Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Hickey's here. We are going to talk the quietest GMR Grand Prix ever <laughs> and maybe touch on a little bit of Indy 500 practice and qualifying stuff, being that this comes out before practice week is done and before qualifying. Not too much to get to on, on that front, but we shall see and we'll dive right into it. I don't know where you want to start, but when we said last week, like when I said during the episode, I think last week, that like I hope there's a little bit of chaos, I didn't mean I wanted every moment of the day to be chaos. But where do we start? I'll take that over the normal, boring nonsense yeah, you usually get. Yeah. It was a crazy race for those who missed it. The top five, which we totally predicted at the start of the day, was Colton Herta, Simon Paginos, Will Power, Marcus Erickson, and Connor Daly. Totally had Connor Daly finishing top five, obviously. Uh, so good for him. That was a good result. Yeah, I mean, it started as a wet track, and three laps into the race, Herta and Sato bailed for reds. And at the time, I'm like, I don't know about that. That seems a little a little early. And then Colton Herta had a yeah. Marco Andretti Detroit style lap had Marco's lap actually yielded a net positive, which for all intents and <laughs> purposes, it didn't. So it's a cool lap to look back on. But what did it actually accomplish versus Colton's? He went pitted, I think, around P12 and overcut every, or undercut everybody and yeah. came out in the lead ahead of Pato, who was the actual P1 at the time before everything went down. So that was pretty cool, including the save of the century mm -hmm. at whatever turns those were. Uh, that was incredible. I don't know how he didn't spin. We've been kind of on Colton a little bit recently for some of his inconsistencies. How gutsy of a move and the execution was that from him to pull that off? I mean, it's it's ballsy, you know, that's these were the trickiest conditions I can recall seeing in an IndyCar where, you know, it stopped raining, but there was still a significant chance of rain at that point. We didn't know how crazy it was going to be. There's also some lightning strikes in the background at <clears throat> the start of the race. So <clears throat> a little bit there. NBC window. Uh, but, NBC. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's. With, with the last couple races he's had to go out there and go, I'm not changing who I am. I'm going to go full bore and, and we're going to give this a shot and go full out. I'm here for it. Yeah. You know, he, he made it work. It's, it's, it was a risk that was either going to work or, you know, in Pato's case, finished well down the, the grid when, when he gambled later on, which I'm sure we'll get to. But yeah, listen, when it works, you look like a genius. Yeah, and for anybody wondering out there at home, Elio Castroneves is P18 in the points. So there was an incident coming up to the final chicane. Uh, Rossi and Newgarden had some contact, and Rossi clearly looked like he was not uh, going to be yielding at any point when Newgarden was next to him. And then Jack Harvey entered the fray, and I don't think Newgarden saw him. It's a little bit of the third man in situation where maybe Harvey shouldn't have been there because I doubt Rossi knew Harvey was there. And then Newgarden got hooked by Harvey, had two rear flat tires, and had to be brought back to the garage for repairs and be sent back out. So Newgarden is either won a race this year or not finished in the top 10. 
There's there's no in between. So a, what do you make of the contacts? And b, uh, is this a championship winning formula for Newgarden at the moment? Well, probably not a championship winning formula because unlike Max Verstappen, who either wins or DNFs in Formula One, he's got a little bit more competition than one or two drivers. But but I don't I don't know. I don't have an issue with the Rossi part of the contact. Jack did go a little deep there, but I don't think Rossi could have predicted that Jack would have tried to go up the inside there. So it's I think it's just one of those like Racing incident deals like Jack stuck his nose in a little bit there. It is what it is. Did they say I I didn't? <coughs> excuse me, I didn't hear it on the on the radios when they were when they were repairing New Garden's car in the garage area. Did they say what the repair was? Because obviously it was more than just a flat tire to get repaired. My understanding, which can be completely uneducated and wrong, was that because he had two rear flats, they couldn't do a conventional toe back, so they had to put him on the flatbed and bring it. You can't bring those to the pits. They have to go directly to the garage, and right. that's kind of a process. So I think he lost... Uh, let's see. He, he lost time just because of that. I mean, yeah, he finished 15 laps down, which, makes, which sounds about right for how long that process would take. So, yeah, obviously, he was running fine. He got a... Sh- no, he did the shove. He almost shoved Power off on the first lap, lap, and then Power came right back at him and shoved him off, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, couple more incidents. I don't know if these are all in chronological order. I think they are. On the restart, VK got shoved into the grass by Callum Eilat at corner exit, and then VK hit the wet grass, spun back on the track, and Devlin DeFrancesco uh, couldn't avoid making contact with VK. Um, they both were able to continue, but their days were obviously severely hampered by that. There was one, there was one more incident that we'll touch on eventually, but that's kind of along the same theme of, it seemed like guys were not really giving each other a whole lot of courtesy out there for the whole race in particular. And what did you make of the Eilat corner exit on VK? I don't really have a problem with that one. It was really racing, but. It didn't. It kind of looked like he was driving as if he wasn't there, and I don't know how I feel I about mean, that. I, listen, I, I, I totally see what you mean, but it, that one, there was only one other incident that like struck my mind as like, oh, that was a little dirty. Whoever is that? Oh, you know the person we've been calling dirty a lot lately. No. Yeah. It's not like I saw him cut off four people today in practice or anything at two hundred and twenty miles an hour. On the first day of practice, for flip's sake. Sorry, I didn't want to make you beep something. Yeah, we'll we'll get to there. But yeah, I think Eilat did him no favors. Now, would I say it was dirty? Yeah, I probably would, actually. Then that led to, I think, eventually, I think it was around the same time. Yeah, so Rossi came in after the rain increased, and he felt that the transition period was forthcoming for red tires back to wet tires. So he originally pitted for wet tires, and then eventually, under yellow, more people pitted for wet tires, like Graham Rahal and a couple others behind. It unfortunately did not work out. The wet tires were t- like between 8 to 12 seconds a lap slower. So at that pace, yeah. uh, Colton would lap them after about 7 to 12 laps. 
or seven to 12 laps to lap them, which is an extraordinary pace difference. So it got to the point where they had to come back in and pit for dries only to put wets on like 10 laps later. Uh, so what do you make of the Rossi was kind of the Pied Piper of that second gamble. What would, what did you make of the decision to do that? I mean, he's obviously at this point not fighting for a championship. So what the hell? Why not? You're either going to look like a genius and win or it's not going to work. I think he was like literally 10 minutes too early, maybe 15 minutes too early to make the rain tires work. But guys like him and Ray Hall and there's a couple others that that, you know, went super early with the rain tires. It's worth a shot, especially in Rossi's case, who's, you know, he's clearly not in the championship hunt already, unfortunately. If you if you win now and then maybe have a good indie result, you bump yourself up and maybe you're in the top five and your season's not looking so bad. So a for effort. If I was a driver who didn't have a signed contract next year, I wouldn't have made that decision. So since he knows his, okay, fair. if he knows his plans next year, like what does he care? What What's the difference? But for me, I, I'm curious if I go back and look who was around him at the time when he made that pit stop, because, you know, a guy like Marcus Erickson, who needed some help with strategy to get up there, finish P4, Connor mm-hmm. Daly bounced back to finish P5. There were a couple other instances of drivers who kind of had some tough luck in qualifying and weren't necessarily the fastest that made their way up and finished in the top 10. So, I mean, Scott Dixon ran out of fuel, finished 10th. Of course he did. So, yeah. to me, I don't know. I would have I would have kept going with whatever the leader did. And if Jimmy Johnson, who's running P24, decides to throw on wets and gooses everybody, then that's just going to be the way it is. But I'll still take my you know, potential top five finish over taking the gamble and getting screwed. But that's uh, just a difference of philosophy, I guess. Didn't wanna... Yeah, I would take the gamble. Yeah. You reckless one, you. Kind of wanted to touch on Jimmy Johnson just for a second here. I know we're giving him plenty of leeway when it comes to his acclimation into IndyCar. I was expecting a little more out of him this weekend just because this is his third time running this venue plus test sessions. He qualified last, wasn't really blowing the doors off pace-wise, and finished P22 and had the spin while he was running 15th-ish, but that's because you know a handful of people came in and took those wet tires and he was still on dries, so he had the benefit of the doubt there. But is it harsh of me to wonder... Like, you know, I know he's progressing as far as pace from last year to this year, but still at a track that he's now run three times for his pace to still not be there. Is it is it wrong of me to say what was that kind of performance this weekend, Jimmy? So up until the race time, I would say, yes, 100% agreed. The race itself, I think we were talking beforehand, Jimmy has never had a rain practice in IndyCar. So I kind of just like wasn't expecting much from the race. So my expectations were low and were met with low results. So I don't know, kind of thrown out the race. But yeah, I mean, the qualifying and practice performance was was not really so good. Okay, so I can grill him about his practice and qualifying. 
Yeah. I'm sure he'll give a huge shit about that. I do. So one of the transition periods where the track was starting to get wet, but people were still on drives, there was a restart and Pato broke a little too deep on the wet line and spun and sort of took out his teammate along with him. Pato was able to continue. He lost like four or five spots. Rosenquist uh, was stalled and had to be refired. I feel really bad for him uh, because Rosenquist is actually having a good day. He actually rebounded to P6 too, so it it was okay. But I think Rosenquist could definitely had a podium spot. Is that kind of just a microcosm of how McLaren's year has gone so far? I couldn't have said it better myself. It was just... Like everything's looking so promising. Those guys were both bound for top five finishes and it all went away. I mean, not really there because they both after that still rebounded, but. And then were you at all surprised at the end there when a couple people, I think there was three, I know McLaughlin and Ward for sure stayed out on drives when it was pouring wet. Uh, At this point, everybody else had come in for full wets were you surprised that that decision because McLaughlin couldn't even keep it underneath him under yellow? Yeah. I mean, from one perspective you go, okay, like, because you were getting semi mixed signals on. uh, No, not really. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. You let me know. At one hand, like the, the radio forecast was like, well, it, it could rain. It it might not rain as hard as we're expecting, but there's also lightning in the distance. So can we can we hang hang on for a couple more laps, and you know then lightning will probably end the race. None of that happened, and I don't think it was necessarily the right call because at that point there was enough. You know, there there was no dry line on the track at all. It was wet, and once. McLaughlin spins under safety car. My reaction behind him, if I'm Pato, is I need to dive down in pit lane. Maybe I'll get back a couple positions at the end. So, and they did it. What was it when when the field was coming to green? Essentially, I think. Yeah, he bailed so in the last restart. Yeah, and and I get it. Like at that, I just think it was it. It's a hard strategy call to make at that point because. There's so much conflicting information being fed to you on track conditions and the weather, et cetera. But I just don't think, I think at the end of the race, it's just not a chance worth taking. I think if the last 365 days have taught us anything, it's that I'm not sure McLaren knows when the correct time to pit for wet tires is. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Was any, did you see any F1 drivers there? No, not a single F1 driver hmm. that I saw. Yeah. Hmm. It's like we were given bad information by somebody. Never. Never, never, never. never. Also, Graham Rahal's retiring. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love Twitter. Right after our league race, yeah, we saw that Shannon and Host interacted with someone who said Graham Rahal's retiring with, without uh, really saying who or what they heard that from so i guess we'll keep our eyes on it maybe he's right i don't know i think we we both were just like i don't think a Graham would be happy if some guy with 40 twitter followers outed his potential retirement and b what sources do you have sir and he went on a rampage how we only cover sunshine and rainbows in indycar 
So we have to be even more doom and gloom than we've been recently. Well, we do have to give a league racing update. Uh, Cody Bray did not win again. Thank God. Yeah, you owe me several beers for that, by the way. Cody was running yeah. second going into the final corner, and yours truly was running first, and he thought it was a good idea to just put me in the wall and ruin both of our days. But I did the Lord's work by preventing him from winning, so you're welcome. A 25-lap race, and I ran 23 of them on one set of softs. I'm surprised that that almost worked. All right, the, the one that I wanted to touch on before we get to our predictions and whatnot is the Grosjean Harvey incident. Uh, we had talked about Eilat and how I feel Eilat was very harsh and not really giving VK a lane to exit on the exit of corner two. Uh, this one was into the heavy braking zone in corner 70. I don't know what corner it is. The heavy braking <laughs> on the off the back stretch. And... Harvey was on the inside. Grosjean was on the outside. Both broke very deep. Grosjean was forced off the track and had to take the long way back onto the track through the grass and lost probably five, six positions in that scuffle. And as he's on the grass, he's got his radio button on and saying, like, what's an idiot? And Hinch is like, shut up and drive. (laughs) (laughs) uh what did you make of the incident yeah this this wasn't as egregious as his barber incidents but i think he was just i think he just was a little deep on the breaking line and breaking zone and just didn't give himself or vk enough room and ended up sorry jack uh ended up with a penalty to move back behind Jack and whatever other cars had passed Grosjean at that point. And I think that was the right call because it wasn't like horrible. This is on purpose and he's out for blood. Like it was a bad move and the right penalty was called. So yeah, it wasn't, wasn't so good. All right. I'm going to take Jack's side on this one. So if I know anything about Grosjean, which being Graham Rahal's teammate, you feel like you got to kind of have that in the back of your head. If he's on the outside and he's going to break super deep, then my counteraction to that would be to also break super deep. And what's going to happen if I break super deep on the inside? I'm probably going to miss the apex, right? You can't break deep and hit the apex at the same time without causing some sort of mischief. So he broke deep, didn't leave him a lot of room in the exit, but Grosjean also really was squeezing him on turn. I mean, if you watch the replay, Grosjean's turning in before Harvey is. And that really is going to not leave Harvey any room to do anything, really. So yeah, the only inevitable outcome, if bro- both of them are breaking deep, but Grosjean on the outside is turning in a little earlier, is that they're going to touch in some capacity. And given that Grosjean's on the outside, the only way he's going to go is into the grass. So I appreciate the effort of Grosjean to try and pull it off, but you have to understand that with those kind of moves, you're not going to get a Jimmy Johnson every time. who's just going to lift and let you by, or you're not going to get insert driver here. Who's like, Oh shucks. I'll just lift early and you can have it and I'll get you the next corner. Like you're going to have guys, especially with the reputation building now that are going to push you a little harder and not give you an a single inch because you're not giving anybody else out there any room on a lot of the corners. So 
I think it's kind of a byproduct of the type of racing he's offering other people. And I think we're going to continue to see Grosjean kind of build this bad boy reputation amongst all the other drivers and makes me quite nervous, especially after what I saw today that his little, I'm not going to give you an inch mantra and not caring what other drivers think about him. Indianapolis 500 is probably not the place to test that theory. I wouldn't say so. No, I wouldn't, wouldn't assume that's a good idea. I thought Jack did everything right within his own bearings. And of course the Twitter mob of Grosjean's followers disagreed, but whatever. They're Netflix experts, most of them. So who cares? Before we get back to talking about Netflix experts and our predictions and et cetera, uh, this week's IndyCar episode is again brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens. Um, if you don't have time, want better gut health, more energy, an optimized immune system, hate taking multiple pills and vitamins, use Athletic Greens. It doesn't taste like that super chalky, nasty health thing that some of these things taste like. It has a kind of mild tropical taste that people actually look forward to in the morning. With one scoop of AG1, you absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Special blend of ingredients supports everything from your gut health, health, recovery, focus, and aging. It does not help your speaking ability. It is lifestyle-friendly, whether you're keto, vegan, paleo, etc., etc. One gram of sugar, no GMOs artificial anything or nasty chemicals supports better sleep and recovery mental clarity a ag1 is a small micro habit with big benefits it's one thing you can do every single day to take great have you ever wanted to know how to win a formula one grand prix i mean really know know about the driver tactics from the cockpit the strategy calls from the pit wall and even the mind games in the paddock There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. Hi listeners, we wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Care of yourself. It's less than $3 a day, and it's cheaper than ordering all of the different supplements on your own. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. 
7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes like Formula One star Lewis Hamilton. And with every purchase right now, you get a one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs. So make your purchase at athleticgreens.com slash emerging, and you get one year of vitamin D and five free travel packs. I intentionally wore green today. I'm so proud of you. I I have green on my sweatshirt. You're about to pull out your pants and look at your underwear. Hang on, we're getting... No green. Oh, okay. Do you think they'll throw me two bucks for wearing green today? Uh, I will. No, I don't. I, I don't. No, I want them to do it. All right. Well, go <laughs> order Athletic Green, so they'll give me two bucks for wearing green. Appreciate it. Prediction recap. Um, I had, good. I had power winning, close. Okay. You had McLaughlin. Right. Sort of. He was fine until not he the wasn't. worst prediction ever. Yeah. He's, he's doing great until he wasn't. Uh, speaking of doing great until they weren't, you had Montoya as your Dark Horse Top 10. So close. Mm, that's such a shame. I had Harvey, also a shame. Uh, most struggle, you had Rosenquist. Nope. I had Erickson. Nope. Uh, you had Kirkwood. Close for your first out. Close. He was second out. He also seemed like he spun about four times, but the last one was uh, not... It was not his fault. Yeah, he fault. got punted the one time. Yeah, by uh, the arbiter of race control, Graham Ray Hall. Uh, <laughs> so that was neat. And then I had Herta as first out. Nice. Real good. Whoops. Yeah. You had uh, four wheels and an engine with a best rookie performance, and uh, he was second, I think, to Ilot. Ilot might be. Yeah, Ilot was top ten. Might be start to become a clutch pick for uh, – Best rookie here each week. That's a solid performance by him. But good job by Lungard as well. I had Kirkwood. Didn't really have it at any point in the day, unfortunately. So the one time you took Lungard instead of me paid off. So I think that's the moral of the story. You should start picking him more. Also, he sounded really really high on his Indianapolis practice today, which was really fun. So I think he's he's starting to enjoy himself a little more. Uh, He also said something along those same lines on social media or statement or something is that he was trying to encourage some of his European friends to come try it out because he said, this is just a lot better than the European ladder. Yeah. I think that was this weekend. It was not today at IndyCar practice, but that's good news. See, he's warming up. You hater. Yeah. Hey, I, I said in Barber, he was very nice when I talked to him. We're coming around. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about him. Do you want to say he's like nice hair or he's very, very good looking or he's got a good, no. great, great foot for the gas pedal or anything? He's very kind and it looks like he's very good at driving. We'll take it. Who was your second driver of the day? Because I think we kind of both have to pick Herta. So who was your non-Colton Herta driver of the day? How about Felix Rosenquist? We've been kind of dogging him all year. He gets hit by his teammate, which was you know in, an accident. It wasn't wasn't dirty or anything, and still rebounds to finish sixth, I believe. Yes, and top you know, solidly in the top ten, and was probably top four contender if he didn't get stalled and lose a front wing there. So good day, good day for Felix. I think he had good pace all weekend. Yeah, I want to give an honorable mention to Pagano. Well done on a P2. Great performance. Uh, 
it looked like Elio was running P7 with a couple laps ago, and all of a sudden I looked up and he was yeah. like P12, P13. Not entirely sure what happened. I thought he nailed Montoya for a second, and that's why he went down the order, but no. So, uh, yeah, um, still thinking Pagano's the team leader over there. My driver of the day is actually going to be Connor Daly uh, to qualify super well. And then to kind of fade back during the race, only to rebound and come back to the top five was a great performance by him. So uh, well done. That uh, expected qualifying thing I did on Twitter, I might keep doing that. That was actually kind of fun. It actually made me want to watch qualifying for once. I if I found myself looking at it during qualifying, being like, "What what did Hickey say? Where that guy was going to qualify?" Like when Dixon did so, it, when Dixon was like twentieth or whatever. I'm like, "Hey, that was kind of not <laughs> wrong." Because you think like, yeah. "Oh, Dixon's going to be fast six or whatever." It's like, well, so yeah. So basically, it's going against my arch rule of examining practice results and determining that there may actually be a correlation between how you do in practice and where you qualify which is sad because that means that practice actually matters. That means five, five years of you saying it doesn't matter. Isn't just one correct. Just went, went down the shitter in one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So out of the, there's an expected range. It's like a deviation of six. So if host Mike averaged P five in both practice sessions, his low point would be pole and his high point would be P 11. And so when you do that math for everybody in the field, I got 22 of the 27 correct out of everybody. So I examined the Indy 500 deviation today. Indy 500 expected qualifying is probably going to go a lot rougher. With most years' yeah. data, only like four people are expected to get pole. So uh, I'll still try it and send that out. Hopefully, well, maybe not. I might try to do it. I'll be out of town, but we'll see. I was gonna say you're not watching live this weekend, sure unfortunately. Ain't, but I just need Friday's practice results to calculate it. But I still won't be home. I got you. Disappointment of the day. Grosjean finished pretty low. I forget exactly where, and didn't really feel like he was like battling for a top five-ish position at any point. Yeah, I think as the race progressed, it looked worse and worse uh, for him. I, I guess, well, we didn't mention uh, Alex Pelot's spin. So I'm going to go with Pelot. It's kind of like his first mistake in two years. So it might be a little harsh to say that he's the biggest <laughs> disappointment. But damn it, Alex, what the hell? Yeah, he spun kind of on his own on his first outlap on the dry tires, I think, and, and caused a yellow. He stalled trying to reenter the track. So uh, kind of ruined his day right there. And then, so that's a bummer for him. But uh, um doesn't make mistakes very often, so I'm sure he'll quickly rebound in the championship there. I don't really have a whole lot of stuff before we get to today's session for the Indy 500 practice and then some yeah. qualifying predictions. Adam Stern has come out and said that, according to people with an IndyCar, there may not be any new venues added to the schedule next year. That's not really unexpected to me. Well, I think it, no. Yeah, we we expect doom and Cle- gloom. The world is end. Cleveland the world is ending. I Cleveland IndyCar should you know fold all except the five hundred and never racing anywhere else ever again. We wanted Milwaukee. Oh right, Milwaukee. That's the one I wanted. Shit, I I want so many other tracks. I can't remember what I want anymore. Okay, I will say it is a tad bit disappointing. As at the end of the world, no, but. 
you know, it's nice to spice it up every now and then and throw in some, just something. But I will attempt to survive this devastating injury Uh, that I I hope you can. I got by looking at that today. Yeah. I'm Um, so worried about you. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And then Mark Miles has also said that some sort of non-scripted documentary series is in the works to be signed here, hopefully very soon with a multimedia company of some sort. Hey, you know, if this is the vehicle we need to get fans here, I'm all for it because it's not like the last 15 years of strategy has really helped. Yeah, I'm cool. All right, let's let's see what it's about. Cool. So, Drive to Survive coming to what's the what's like the shadiest streaming platform out there? Isn't there one that's called like Tubi or something? Oh yeah, Tubi. Yeah. Are you sure that's are you sure that's not an 18 plus site? Uh, <laughs> it is. This is gonna be real awkward. <laughs> Because I'm now I'm afraid to Google that one. Endorsed by host. Well, now I have to. It's endorsed by host Mike. Uh, let's see. Please, God, please don't be. The first thing that came up was 2B MP3 download. That makes me a little nervous. Uh, no, it's a TV. It's streaming movies and TV. Hopefully of the okay. non-18 right. plus variety. Yes. Oh, it's owned by Fox. So you should be all right. Yeah, we're good. All right. Thank God. All right. So, uh, yes. Drive to... IndyCar. Ride by is coming to Indy... Or Tubi in 2023. There we go. You heard it here first. Yeah, that was it. That, that was kind of a slow... I mean, we go from one race to 500 practice, so there's not really a whole lot of room for news in between then. Yeah. So today was day one of practice. That was Tuesday. So we're recording today Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday looks pretty rough tomorrow. Thanks for volunteering to go host and sit there with Eric Smith and so happy talk about how great everything is. Uh, please keep everything positive. We do not want any negative stories coming out. Okay. Thank you. I will try my hardest. Thank you. I, I guess now I am the vengeful force to examine practice results now because everything's important. Uh, I do. I will say there was definitely a positive correlation between how where your average finishing position in practice weeks were and how you did in the race. For example, in 2014, Ryan Hunter Ray was by far the best in practice, and he ended up winning. So there may be a positive correlation between practice results and where you finish. Uh, so today, Tuesday, Takuma Sato ended the day P1 with the 228.939. And then it was a lot of Ganassi's. Dixon P2, Johnson P3, Erickson P4, Polo P6, uh, split by Renus VK and P5. Uh, and then the last Ganassi, Tony Kanaan, was P10. So all five Ganassi cars in the top 10. Uh, Newgarden was the highest running Penske at P9. Marco Andretti P11. Power 18th. Uh, Pagano 13th, McLaughlin 20th, Rahal 21st, Elio 22nd, Pado 24, Herda 28, Rossi 29, Carpenter 30, Grosjean 32. Ouch. Yes. So I guess the only thing I can really pull out from today is that Ganassi looks very good. Ganassi was good. The coin guys were good. Dry and Reinbold was. Pretty solid for a one-off team today. Uh, Andretti, not not so much. 
and I think another thing we can maybe say now is like, you know, last couple of years it's been, all right, the Honda teams are going to be good. And the only good team in qualifying for Chevy is going to be at Carpenter racing other than I think Pato made the fast nine last year. Uh, yeah. This year, it seems to be more team oriented and less engine oriented. So like you said, Dryden yes. Reinbold, Karim eighth and Ferrucci 19th, which, you know, for their first session of the year, not terrible. Ferrucci was also up there in the morning as well. Right. In the first session. You got Rosenquist 16th award, uh, 24th and Montoya 31st. So there could maybe be a correlation there with the team. You got, um, Ray Hall 21st, Harvey 25th, Lungard 27th as Ray Hall's frustrations from the open test still happening. But then you also got coin P one P seven with Sato Malukas. So yeah, I think it's much less about the engine this year, which I kind of like, it's much more about the team and, and how the team's dialed in and whatnot. Um, Do you think for, this is really specifically for like coin and, so JR was 15th today, and obviously we're basing this off one day of practice, but essentially they've downsized. You know, I know Foyt is loading out the chassis and some equipment, etc. for Stefan Wilson, but instead of having four, they have three. Dale Coyne, which always has three or three cars, only has two this year. So there's a little bit more, fo- you know, a more focus on fewer cars might help them question mark yes okay you like my well thought you don't sound confident you like my well thought out well it just sounded right okay i'm I'm, I'm more commenting about how much of a genius you sound right now wow that's so kind of you thank you um stefan wilson got out for 10 laps did some uh refresher i think it has to be quite cool to look at like a schedule of the day and you know if you're the driver and see like oh wow they blocked off two whole hours just for me like (laughs) oh yeah i just get the best racetrack in the world to myself for two hours and everybody has to watch like that would be dope um yeah i was thinking about that it's a pretty cool moment i don't really have there was no incidents today so that's good Uh, a couple of debris cautions no weather no crashes no incidents uh i think ray hall brushed the wall once uh but nothing like at speed so it was nothing major yeah, I didn't think it caused any damage. So yeah, do you? I mean, tomorrow's looking iffy, but Thursday, Friday should be okay. Hopefully, knock on wood. And then qualifying Saturday, where we set the fast twelve and the bottom six for them to requalify Sunday. I don't think there's a bottom six. Oh, they, I think it's oh, 10, 10 to thirty three or thirteen to thirty three. Or I guess set. that makes sense. Uh, all right, well, there we go. So uh, basically. If you're 13th on back, you get to get ready for Monday and everybody else has to so show. I have an idea. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Instead of instead of our standard predictions, because it's kind of predicting back, good back and bad. Back row, like, front row. What else you got? I, I was going to say pick three guys. Whoever's average qualifying position is better come after qualifying weekend. We can just say did better. Like keep it simple. Okay. You want to do a draft style? Yeah, go ahead. You go. I will take uh, Polo. Okay. I will take Scott Dixon. All right. 
I will say with my next pick, I'll take uh, Erickson. Okay. I will take New Garden. And lastly, I'll take VK. I will take... You took v- you took VK, you said? Yeah. That was your third pick? Yeah. Damn. That was my I... uh, fantasy IndyCar poll prediction, too. <laughs> I think... I don't know who mine was. I think mine was, too. Uh, I'll take Jimmy. Let's let's. So we have a four against. Sorry, Tony, you didn't quite make the cut. <laughs> I know you've won an Indy 500, and this is your like 30th attempt. But uh, yeah, I wish I um took a peek at the uh, old record book for Indy 500 because I know Scott Dixon. We can do that next week, I guess. So I know Scott Dixon. Yeah. If he leads enough laps this year, will become the m- most laps led in Indy 500 history guy. So that's cool. But yeah, I'll try to summarize that for next week. What did you need the, uh, how many drivers have done 10 or more starts at the 500? Was that just to like throw it in someone's face in the media center or something? No, it had, I was scrolling through something on Twitter, like some like facts and whatnot. I'm like, Oh, that would be a cool trivia question. Like how many people, you know, are coming up on their 10th Indy 500. Sorry. And I don't remember exactly why it could have, I, I don't know. My brain's kind of fried after this weekend. Yeah, probably. Anyway, we'll wrap it up there. Guys, if you're at the track at any time, pretty much every day for the remainder of the month, at least somebody from the team will be there. I'll be there every day. I think Shannon will be here there on the weekend. Hickey and Frenchie make race weekend appearances. And the live show is Saturday before the race. So not this weekend, but next weekend in Plainfield, Indiana, somewhere. It's at the uh, uh, Motorsport Memorabilia Show. And our special guest, who is welcome to stay as long or as short as he wants, is Hunter McElray. So I got that confirmed today. So Hunter will be hanging out with us. And we should have a show flyer circulating around on social media at some point over the next day or two. And yeah, enjoy qualifying weekend. Let's give this, see how this new Sunday format works out, and see if it if, if it's exciting or if it's not. And we'll talk about that. It <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. We'll see if Matt's right or not right. Everybody have a lovely weekend of racing. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.